Hi, I'm Adam. And I'm Rob. And welcome to a new Hollowdale Media podcast. As we move into spring and the birds are singing, the sun is coming out, and... What are you talking about? What? The sun isn't out. Well, we're not... It came out for a bit and now it's freezing I'm again. just trying to set a nice kind of BBC Radio 4 tone of... No, it's an peace. endless tale of misery out there. Okay, but there's light at the end of the tunnel, Adam. There, there is, I suppose. There is, because we're going to talk about movies and stuff, and it's going to be great. People are really going to enjoy it. Well, why are you so chilled out? Well, I don't know, maybe I've just... Your voice, you're all pleasant and happy. I'm just feeling pleasant. Ugh. Oh, I'm I don't trust nice it. nice and calm and pleasant. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, is there? I don't know, but it sounds a bit... pantomime Perverse. Yeah. Uh. Hi, everyone. I'm having a great day. I'm I'm up to the gills in drugs. You want to be a good part of our team. Teamwork. Oh God! <laughs> shut the <but> no, right. <laughs> Let's right. move off this horror. <laughs> this horror show. Cool. How's it going, man? What have you been watching? Good. Um, well, I suppose big news. I don't know whether it's going to come up in your thing. Disney Stars happened. Yes, it did. Happen. And it's and it's conquered all of us. It's, it's so good. Everyone is watching Disney stuff. Netflix, dead. Netflix, yeah. I mean, Netflix, you're just trawling through all these films that you don't want to watch. And maybe one of them, luckily, you'll pick. And regrettably, that disgusting, horrible, evil mouse is sat (laughs) in his tower at Disney World in Orlando, Mm. screeching. There's a creature rubbing its paws together. Yeah. Ha-ha! Ha-ha! I've won! Pluto, we've done it! (laughs) <laughs> They're ours now! It's awful! It's everyone I know has been talking about Disney Star. It's so good. Even the things that are already on Prime, people are like, Ooh! Who's got Futurama? They just don't have a lot. Like, Netflix says, like, there's gold in there, but it's, like, hidden amongst the quagmire of absolute rubbish. And then, but Disney is kind of the other way around. Like, the first time I went through stars, I hate to, I hate to say this because I stand by the fact I think eventually they're going to monopolise cinema. They are monopolising cinema, Disney. However, scrolling through all the content that they have, I mean, there's so many good films. So many good films. And, and series. I like the series. I mean, it's, it's scrolling through it. It's like looking at the listings of Sky One in the heyday, in the golden years. Yeah. You've got Alias, you've got 24, you've got Simpsons. X-Files, guys. Well, yes, I mean X-Files, that's what I've been watching. I started from the beginning, me and Josh, we've been watching the same episodes, we've been (laughs) commenting, have you seen that one yet? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Why didn't you do an X-Files fan podcast with Josh? (laughs) Because they already exist. Yeah, I'm sure they do. We called it The Lone... Punman. Oh, God. The Lone Pun Man. Disgusting. Yeah, no, so the X-Files... It's watching it from the beginning. You sort of forget the weirdness of it. It hasn't worked itself out yet. It's great, isn't it? Well, the great thing about well, the great thing about all of X Files, but it works especially well in the first seasons, is um, there's plot driving forward episodes, and then they'll take a sidestep out of all of this drama and conspiracy and go to this yes. village where something weird's going on. And those are the episodes that really shine for me. Well, there's there's a few there's like four different types of episodes in there. There's the plot episodes yeah. with the conspiracy. Yeah. Uh, there's the silly episodes, which are dumb. Yeah. You got and then you got Monster of the Week, and then the Lone Dumb ones, mm. which come more in later, but they do turn up quite early. But that's 
shocked by that. So great. But some of the episodes are so like derivative. There's a thing episode. It's the thing. <laughs> In fact, I, I, I looked up on it because I was curious. Like, is was there an actual link? Uh, yeah, the set designer of the thing from 1982 worked on that episode of Let's Files. No way. It is the same it's thing. The th- it's the same thing. That's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, and the it's sort of. I'll tell you the other thing. In my memory, X-Files, uh, it sort of held back a bit. And it was all like, was it true? Was it not true? No, no, they just show you straight up. Yeah, they show you. They, there's, <laughs> there's the weird slime monster. Have you got to that one with the slime monster that gets crushed and lives under the escalator? The slimy bloke? Uh, the, not yet, I don't think. Okay, okay. Well, there's an escalator and a slimy bloke. I haven't watched them all in like seven years. But the, um, very creepy episode. How the smoking man as well. What villain? Is he in it yet? Uh, he's been in it once, but I think he comes in yeah. properly later. Cool. Yeah. No, it's a good watch. I'm, I'm, I'm very much enjoying starting again. He's when I'm done with this, I'm buying the Twin Peaks <gasps> and doing the same thing. <gasps> extended? Uh, is there extended? There's an extended Twin Peaks. There's a, there's extended Twin Peaks. And then there's obviously the third season, which is the weirdest, most David Lynchy thing. Yes, yeah. <laughs> which I've not, I've not seen any of the new series, so yeah. I kind of want to rewatch it all and. Yeah, I won't say anything about it, but the the third series of Twin Peaks is like it has half as much soap opera stuff. Hmm. That half is replaced by more David Lynch. I've heard it's so, kind of like a best hits of David Lynch. Yeah, it's dead. a razor head sort of reference. Yeah, there's these nuclear kind of montages of destruction and weirdness that kind of go on for ages, and you kind of just get absorbed in it. It's so good. Okay, cool. Um, but speaking of speaking of Star, I hate that we're promoting it so much. Um, the best thing by far for me looking scrolling through the films was seeing that all of Wes Anderson's films were on there oh yeah yeah. I was like thank you so much so I've started watching um, Life Aquatic I've started off with Life Aquatic with Steve Zissel Uh, I think that's my favourite one he's so good Uh, Rushmore is my favourite one apart from all the kind of uh, the directorial style and the cinematography and the colour and the symmetry of Wes Anderson like the thing I like about his films the most is how inoffensive all the characters are they're all kind of caricatures and they're all quite I, I don't know they're not like overly like vulgar or anything they're just all likeable in their own weird way even the villains they're kind of just warm to watch is the dog one on there uh i didn't see it i didn't see it uh the island of the isle of dogs yeah 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 I, no no i didn't see it on there. no yeah um, i've just looked it up so darjeeling limited rushmore life aquatic grand budapest yeah I mean, like, Darjeeling and Grand Budapest, like, all of them, like, some of my favourite movies. They're so good. So, yeah. Uh, Rushmore's good. I'd like the one with the scouts. Uh, Moon, something Moon. Moonrise Kingdom. Moonrise Kingdom. Is that right? Moonrise Kingdom? I just sort of plucked I'm pretty that out. sure that, that is could moon, be anything. Moonrise Kingdom. That could and be a weird anime that I <laughs> shouldn't be omitting. And it's, that's the only one I haven't seen as well. That looks very Wes Anderson. Just looking at that picture there of all the. Yeah. That's no, that's that. That's beautiful. That film. Mm. Young love. I do love. I'll make a, a note to watch that as soon as possible. Mm. Um, but uh, so, so today's today's episode. You're, it's the wrapping episode, everyone. Today's episode is brought to you by Stutter Anonymous. Stutter, Stutter Man. Uh, yes. Yeah, so to celebrate Star. Yeah. The film we picked was a film that I was gonna buy. Anyway, I was literally one week ago. I was going to buy it, and then I saw it on Disney. And there it was. And there it was. I didn't have to pay for it because it's really hard to find. It is. Idiocracy by Mike Judge. 
well remembered. It's um a cult. It's a very much a cult film now, which very you know people people talk about it. I don't know why I haven't seen it before now, and the only thing I can put it down to is it's never repeated, and I've never seen it for sale anywhere. I think Mm. even on Amazon, it's second price, second hand, thirty quid for a DVD. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. It's really hard to. But now Disney got it. Mike Judge uh, made one of my favourite films ever, and this was his follow-up. What was their favourite film ever? Office Space. Oh! Which really? is also on Disney+. Plus. That makes sense. Right. I, I wonder, what, are, they, are they collecting directors? Maybe. Maybe. That, that their, makes sense, actually. Is that their way? I suppose if they're picking up from distribution, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. But yes, Idiocracy is our film for this week. Uh, yeah. Wish I... Wish I... Wish I of catching you've it. Caught I've caught it. it. You've caught it. Da-da. Wish I saw it. Wish I saw. <laughs> wish I saw. Oh my Ooh. god. I wish I saw it a long time ago. It's that kind of film. I wish I saw it in like college. Yeah, it's definitely of that ilk. It's yeah. one that stays with you, uh, as you as you get on and you remember. It's quite a poignant movie. Mm. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about that later. We're going to go through some movie news as well. Um, strap in. What a wild ride. Yeehaw. What did I say? Adam's Film Reviews the Midnight Sky 2020. Come in, Ether. This is Barbo Observatory. Are you receiving this? Is anyone out there? This is Ether. Does anyone copy? We're not receiving anything. That puts our last contact with Mission Control out. Three weeks. Why is it so quiet? That's either. It's a spaceship that we hoped would be our future. I have to warn them about the conditions on Earth. I don't know all the details. It started with a mistake. There is an antenna that's stronger than ours. We get to that antenna, they'll hear us. Take a deep breath. In our galaxy alone, there are billions of stars. At least one of them has the potential to support life. I'm thinking a lot about time. Why one person lives a lifetime, and another only gets a few years? Directed by George Clooney and adapted by Mark L. Smith from the 2016 novel Good Morning Midnight by Lily Brooks Dalton. The Midnight Sky is a post-apocalyptic sci-fi that flew well under my radar when it was released on Netflix last year. Considering the year it came out, The Midnight Sky opens on a surprisingly bleak setting. Quite literally the end of humanity. It isn't fully explained what's happening, only that the world has been irradiated with major population centres, the first to fall. We open on an Arctic research base come telescope base, with the crew being helicoptered out so they can return home to their families. 
except for one man. As briefly stated, Augustine Lofthaus, played by George Clooney, doesn't have a home to return to, and so chooses to remain alone in the Arctic base to sit out the end of the world. Yay 2020! Except, as it turns out, Lofthaus isn't completely alone. It turns out he's been living with a lost girl who he works out is called Iris, played by, uh, bear with me, Kahol, Kaelin Springle. That'll do. Once the initial panic subsides, Lofthaus grows attached to Iris and the pair start to grow closer, despite Iris never saying a word. Still, she works as a good sounding board, as Lofthouse explains to her that he has found out there's a spacecraft outside of Earth's orbit, having been sent there by Lofthouse and his team to explore a newly discovered moon of Jupiter. One that is said to not only be inhabitable by humanity, but is as close to paradise as you can get. The trouble is, this spacecraft, the, the Aether, isn't reachable from the radio in the base, though the antenna in a nearby weather monitoring station might just let him warn the space mission that Earth is no longer inhabitable. Meanwhile, on Aether, we meet the crew aboard what appears to be a 3D printed exploration ship on its way home from Jupiter. There's Engineer Mayer, played by Tiffany Boone, pilot Tom Mitchell, played by Kyle Chandler, uh, some guys, possibly a medic, Sanchez, played by Demian Bichir. Commander Ada Wally, played by David Oyello, and his pregnant wife, and communications slash mission specialist Sully, played by the genuinely real-life pregnant Felicity Jones. Despite being on high spirits, the crew are itching to get home, but for whatever reason, Sully just can't reach Earth. No one's responding to their messages, not even other scheduled flights, and all she's receiving is static. This gets considerably worse when the Aether drifts into an asteroid field, causing damage to the ship's radar and communication systems, leading to a tense spacewalk that is in no way reminiscent of 2013's gravity. Meanwhile, Lofthaus and Iris set out into the winter storms of the Arctic as they set off to reach the weather station and communicate with Aether before it's too late. In between, flashbacks to Lofthaus' life and lost loves in his pursuit of sending humanity to the stars. I'm not sure how well that summed it up, but The Midnight Sky is... is heavy. You can't fault the film for its lofty ambitions, or of its deep, potentially well-intentioned messages about hope in the face of unrelenting misery. It's just a shame it's all so bloody slow. At 2 hours and 2 minutes, there isn't a whole lot of content in The Midnight Sky. Long, drawn-out sequences of snow, ice and winter storms is all well and good, but it just doesn't really do much for me. I'd rather the sprinkled moments of character building, such as when Lofthouse stumbles on a crashed plane packed for the priceless art, or in his interactions with Iris, but it just goes on and on. There's far more to like about the crew on the Aether, but even then, some of the scenes just seem padded, with no restraint in the character moments when, when really it would just be nice to move the plot along now, thank you so very much. That said, full credit must be given to the special effects. Some of these sequences look absolutely gorgeous. And yes, I know it's a cop-out to say a film looks good in this day and age, but the spaceship segments were truly unique, with rippling walls indicating some kind of inflatable spaceship design that I don't think we've seen before. Which is something I can't say about the plot. 
which appears to be a montage of similar ideas and plot beats from a whole range of sci-fi, both modern and classic, shades of Ad Astra sunshine and the aforementioned gravity. It all just feels a bit samey. I've been a fan of Clooney's directing in the past, but this melancholy dinge fest just felt so worthy, so deep, that it really kind of turned me off. And that was how I felt before the implication of inbreeding and incest really truly took me out of the picture. I don't want to spoil it or anything, but I looked up how many breeding pairs it would take to restart human civilization, and one couple ain't doing it. Oh well. The Midnight Sky is ambitious, and it does have lofty intentions. I just felt it needed more restraint in its long, brooding moments. Eh, I'd recommend it for napping or to spark long conversations about inbreeding and the human spirit. Welcome to Flop Schleip Nop Schleip. Marvel Studios is reportedly developing a new MCU movie titled The Mutants. Mm. According to a report from the Illuminati, Marvel Studios has begun work on the MCU's X-Men reboot. As per usual, Mr. Kevin Feige is uh, producing the project, but uh, word on the street is it's going to be a feature film. None of this is confirmed, but um, yeah, I'm quite happy. Uh, it's about time. Get the X-Men in. Um, they're, they're calling it the Mutants, not X-Men. This is a rumour. This isn't a truth. Uh, we talked about this a bit earlier. Um, they're not uh, apparently going to call it X-Men. They think that's uh, inclusive. They think it's um, in the current uh, culture of today, calling it X-Men is offensive. So they're going to call it... Now, the who said that? This is what this is this is what I reported from Illuminati, I think. Illuminati. Do they also have videos about how awful it is to have women in Star Wars? Quite well, maybe. It could because be, that sounds a sort of headline that you, I see on YouTube and I go, I hate. Yeah. Maybe it's trying to encourage us to get our pitchforks out. Is, is that what it's trying to do? I if that is How the, stupid it is that they're changing X-Men's name. Yeah. But also the X-Men's a brand that's established. Why would they? They might be trying to avoid confusion. Mm. Does that also mean Deadpool's going to be in the MCU? Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, maybe it is. Does he? Is he owned by Disney now? Is that how that's gone? Or is he just kind of floating well, he, in the ether? Well, that's it. He, he's in the. I don't understand. He's in the Fox world, right? Which is why he's linked to the X Men. Okay, because Colossus was in his movie, wasn't? Wasn't? Yeah, it? yeah. Interesting. Yeah, well, I'm I'm so excited. X Men has always been my comic. Um, uh, that was the only one I ever bought was the X Men, mm-hmm. um, and I'm excited to see uh, how they're going to fit into this arc of uh, that we know of the Avengers and Spider Man and everything that's going on. I think it's going to be cool. Yeah, um, but we'll see. Maybe they'll screw it up. Uh, Fantastic Four couldn't give a sh- <laughs> Fantastic Four couldn't give a damn. Uh, but you know, we'll, um, mm. I don't know what's happening with them. I don't know when they're going to do anything with them. Anyway, uh, this is this is good uh, for me. This is good for uh, Lord of the Rings fans. This is good for cinema in general. This is quite cool. Lord of the Rings is turning twenty this year. Um, mental. What time is it? Where? How does time work? I don't know. I mean, I remember watching Fellowship. Like, do you remember watching it in the cinema for the first time? Yeah. I yeah. remember Moria. I remember the fires of Moria, and I remember the rumbling of the sound and being. That, that's the first time I was awed by sound in a cinema was the rumble. That was the stuff. first time you were awed by sound? Wow. Well, yeah, that was the first, yeah. Because I think, you know, there's loads of amazing films 
that come out in the cinema before that, but that was the first time I was That's old enough. That's interesting. First time I was old enough to appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I think... Uh, well, episode one, there was cool sound... No, maybe the pod racing in episode one, actually. That was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, the the, the intro was the big thing for me. And yeah. my mum still talks about that as well. You really... The chills down the spine of... Oh, yeah. Galadriel rabbiting on. Yeah, oh, like. yeah. So good. Um, so to c- celebrate this milestone... Um, and more importantly, to help encourage people back to the cinemas, the cast will be showing up at the Alamo Draft House, which is a really famous theatre in uh, Austin, Texas, over the course of three consecutive weeks. I couldn't work out. I think they're going to be appearing via, via Zoom or whatever, but who knows? Um, the Lord of the Rings. This is this is from the website. So if you want to hit, if you want to read more into this, go to www.drafthouse.com/lotr20, and. Um, yeah, it says this. The Lord of the Rings trilogy stands as a nearly singular achievement in cinema, virtually flawless, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, to honour the 20th anniversary of the Fellowship of the Ring and the release of a gorgeous 4K remastering overseen by Jackson, Alamo Drafthouse is reuniting Middle-earth's finest for three special post-screening conversations hosted by noted ring nut and host of the late show on CBS, Stephen Colbert. So, um, And this is kind of to support local cinema. So they've said... Um, these cinematic icons are gathering not just to tell the stories and answer burning questions but to support local cinemas around the world that are struggling to survive the COVID era from now through to the end of April Alamo Drafthouse is committed to share this special content with any theatre that would like to participate anywhere in the world oh so it must be pre-recorded or Zoom or something yeah um, so yeah streamed out to people yeah 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 you know so um, this is really really cool so like if there's in the events that there's anyone listening who owns a cinema get on this um or, and, well, in, in, I guess they're not going to be open when they're for us, but um, in the UK. What is it? But yeah, um, it's running from the 25th of March, and and, then it, and it's every week. So there's three different episodes. The Fellowship's got um, Sean Astin, Billy Boy, Dominic Monaghan, and Elijah Woods. So it's got the, the four hobbits talking about it. And yeah. then Two Towers has... Um, Legolas Aragon blah, blah 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 so it goes and then the last one has Ian Kellen Peter Jackson and someone else I can't remember who exactly cool okay um, but yeah the, re- the reunion content will be exclusive to theatres only through the end of April but for fans who are unable to make it out to a theatre safely at this time the reunion conversations will be posted online via Alamo on demand oh Alamo's, there you go that's cool Alamo's Draft House 100% curated video on demand platform later this year so yeah good stuff for cinema um, we, we want to see more of this happening it's really cool um yeah, if you are somewhere where you can get into a cinema and that is happening, I would definitely recommend it. Um, finally, um, the first image, I think you'll like this, the first image from Danny Boyle's upcoming Sex Pistols miniseries... Oh, yeah, cool. ...has been released onto the internet. Um, so this is from Empire. This is how this has been described. Um, based on Steve Jones' memoir, Lonely Boy, Tales from a Sex Pistol, Pistol moves from West London's council estates to Vivian Westwood and Malcolm McLaren's notorious Kings Road sex shop to the international controversy that came with the release of Nevermind the Bollocks, which is frequently listed as one of the most influential albums of all time. Mm. Their single God Save the Queen was banned by the BBC and reached number one on the UK's NME chart, but appeared at number two on the official UK singles chart, leading to accusations that the song was purposely kept off the top spot. For the only time in chart history, the track was listed as a blank to avoid the offence to the monarchy. Very cool. Um, yes. So yeah, um, to all sort of punk fans. and I mean, I, I looked at a picture. What really annoyed me about it, actually, is um, like, they don't, like, they don't look like this. Johnny Rotten, to me, and I find this is the problem with all musical biographies, if you're not really familiar with how these people look 
and then you watch a biography about them, you're kind of like, well, that's not you. That's not Johnny Rotten. Yeah. You, know I mean? you, you kind of have to trick yourself into just going along with it. Um, but I haven't seen it. You know, I haven't seen a trailer yet. He might be really good. Oh. Maisie Williams is playing uh, Nancy, presumably. That's cool. But yeah, that's cool. Uh, looking forward to that. Um, the last thing I just really wanted to talk about was uh, Space Jam 2. Now, Space Jam 2? Yeah, oh my goodness me, Space Jam 2. Wow, <laughs> great. Someone, have you been tranquilized? What? <laughs> no! I, <laughs> I don't, I didn't know. Have you never, have you never heard? No, of I haven't. <laughs> You've, this has gone completely over your head? Yeah. We've talked about this like so many times. Space, Space Jam 2? Space Jam 2. First off, we? we've talked about don't you remember me saying before how Space Jam is actually rubbish? Yeah, yeah, I yeah, remember it that. Sucks. Um, if anyone is feeling nostalgic about Space Jam, don't watch it again because it's really bad. <laughs> um, but yeah. Anyway, this plot has emerged about Space Jam Two, which is due out next year. They've released loads of pictures of it. Uh, they haven't released the trailer yet. Um, so uh, the plot: LeBron James, he's like kind of the new Michael Jordan protagonist. Um, Don Cheadle is the supervillain, which is awesome. And um, so the plot is going to take us through different movies in Warner Brothers history. Oh, for God's sake. So when Dom... So he's got a son called Dom, who's like a computer whiz. His tech skills draw the attention of a CGI humanoid named Al G. Rhythm, Don Cheadle. The father-son duo gets sucked into the Warner 3000 entertainment serververse with the AI kidnapping Dom in the hopes of stealing some of the king's followers. Uh, yeah, he has like 80 million followers on Instagram, so he's stealing a basketball player, I suppose. That um, is such a cliche, boring story. But listen, listen, listen. James gets sucked into the Warner Brothers service as a result of something his nerds... Of course he does, and we'll see the Space Jam website. That's a meme. Yeah, um, but so, so there's, a, there's a new bad guy basketball team called the Goon Squad... Okay. So they're like the Monstars. Um, so this is what director Malcolm D. Lee told Entertainment Weekly. It was a tricky thing just in terms of what you you want. Like, oh my God, look, there's Mad Max and there's Casablanca. Uh, he also mentioned The Matrix and Wonder Woman. So they're going to be going through all these Warner Brothers movies, getting characters to play basketball? Is that what's going to go on? <sighs> but then, so the Looney Tunes are going to be in one team. Is the Goon Squad going to be like villains from... Uh, Warner Brothers movies? Um, is Agent Smith gonna be one of the. Like, where does it that's end? A good point. Well, is the uh, Gimp from Mad Max gonna I be like. really hope the Animaniacs turn up and go, uh, uh what are we doing? What is this? Mm. <laughs> We're not selling out again. So, Warner Brothers is basically standing in front of a mirror and singing Goodbye Horses. It's just staring up itself, isn't it? Yeah, it's very, very like, oh, look how great we are. Well, guess what, Warner Brothers? You're the guys who sold cinema up the river. So. <laughs> yeah, you tell them. Yeah. What uh, else is Warner Brothers? Um. Oh. The, the, the Westerns. Ev- everything. Um. Sergio Leone films. No, are they? I, I don't know. I'm not very good at mm. like studios. Um. But yeah, I don't know. So concludes Fortnite Morning. Okay. That's the that's the that's the stuff. Human evolution does not necessarily reward intelligence, with no natural predators to thin the herd. And I'm pregnant again! What? I got too many damn kids! Meet Joe Bowers. 
Our first subject for the human hibernation experiment. As Joe and Rita lay dormant, mankind became stupider at a frightening rate. The population exploded and intelligence continued to decline. Are we on base? I'll base your ass on my best. Base, ass. Do I got time to use the bathroom? <laughs> I like having sex with chicks. Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody does, Frito. Not like I do. Like when you get it like this sideways, and you're just like, welcome to Costco. I love you. Oh, oh yeah. Idiocracy. Directed by Mike Judge, Idioxy, 2006. What do we think? Well, I really like it. I really like it. Um, I've always liked it. I, I watched it years and years ago. I think I might have watched it close to when it first came out. Although it had trouble being released at first. Um, they sat on it for like a year, didn't they? I said at the top of the show, I never watched this film. I never had the opportunity to watch this film. I don't think it's ever been on... TV, as far as I've been aware. I can 100% confirm I never rented it from Blockbuster. Yeah. I never had it on DVD, so I would have watched it on... Film 4? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, it seems like that sort of film. Office Space, on the other hand, everyone seems to know. Mm. So Office Space was a film also by Mike Judge um, that the success of that was what brought about Idiocracy. Office Space is... um, a cult film. It picked up all its money in the uh, in DVD and video sales. It's one of my favourite comedies ever. Uh, it's it's notable because it's quite like uh, lazy. It sort of it winds along and it tells its story and it gets through it. Mm. And you can totally see that in Idiocracy. Oh, hundred percent. It's sort of it's one of those films that it has a point, but the point is told at the beginning. <laughs> and it just sort of carries on past that point. There's um there's a film called uh, The Invention of Lying with Ricky Gervais. Oh, I never where, saw um, that. Rubbish. Well, it's awful. But it's there. There's a mo- a brief momentary bit of brilliance where he finds out he can lie, which is the whole. Yeah. That's the film. That's the trailer. That's the trailer. <laughs> and you really enjoy that tiny bit, and then it kind of loses sight of where it's going and what's what right, it's doing. Okay. It completely misuses its weapon. I don't think Idiocracy is anywhere near as bad as that. Idiocracy, I think, is is you know a good movie, but like you say, it, it, it's it doesn't it starts as strong as it finishes. Yeah, it's um, it sets itself really, really well. The opening of the film is so. This is it. This is what the art. This is what the the piece is about. The video essay you're about to watch. Mm. This is what it's about, and it's so brilliant how it opens. Mm. So it opens on a almost like a documentary it, on a it's, a it's called dysgenics. It's the theory that in the future there'll be a dystopia caused by uh, eugenics, by DNA, by stupid people breeding and smart people not. Mm. And over time, that means the human race evolves to be thicker and thicker until it can't get back up again. Mm. And it's and it's the end of civilization. And that's and that is the the opening gambit is an amazing sequence comparing two families or two two couples and one's having lots and lots of kids and one is having none at all. Mm. Having kids is such an important decision. We're just waiting for the right time. 
It's not something you want to rush into, obviously. No way. Oh, I'm pregnant again! I got too many damn kids! Thought you was on the pills! Hell no! Must've been thinking of Brittany. Brittany? No, you can't! What? There's no way we could have a child now. Mm -hmm. Not with the market the way it is, no. God, no. That just wouldn't make any sense. Come on over here, bitch! He don't care about you! Yeah, well, there must be something he likes over here! Mean nothing to me, baby. Well, we finally decided to have children, and I'm not pointing fingers, but it's not going well. And this is helping. So. I'm just saying that before I have in vitro, maybe you should be willing it's to. It's always me, right? Well, it's not my sperm count. <laughs> Cleavon is lucky to be alive. He attempted to jump a jet ski from a lake into a swimming pool and impaled his crotch on an iron gate. But thanks to recent advances in stem cell research and the fine work of doctors Krensky and Altshuler, Cleavon should regain full reproductive function. Put your hands off my junk! Unfortunately, Trevor passed away from a heart attack while masturbating to produce sperm for artificial insemination. But I have some eggs frozen, so just as soon as the right guy comes along... You know. With a nice little cameo from... Uh... Hank from King of the Hill is in the family tree. Yes, I saw that. Um, no, somewhere. the the smart guy is from Happy. He's from Happy, and he's from yeah, Men in Black Three. He's yes. a really weird one in in Happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen Basketball recently? No. Basketball has exactly the same start. It's about how sports has um, become. It's like the plight of sports. Okay. Showing it getting worse and worse, and how everyone's sold sold out, and then that brings on the premise of the movie. This guy mm. has to go on, and he wants to make a new sport. Trey Parker and Matt Stone. But this is um, different because uh, Luke Wilson's character, well, he's, he comes to be known as Not Sure. Was he? Was his name at the start? Joe. Joe Bowers. Joe. He's the average Joe. He's literally so the average he Joe. He is literally the most average person. His blood pressure, his IQ, everything about him is bizarrely average. Mm. He opens the film as a librarian in the uh, US Army because he doesn't have to do anything. And he's so content. He has eight, <laughs> he has eight years to go till he gets his pension. He, all he has to do is watch TV, yep. but he gets snapped up for this mysterious uh, project. Extremely top secret project where they needed a average Joe and an average Jane, but couldn't find a Jane, so they hired a prostitute. Perfect. <laughs> then Why not? The story is set. The there you go. Set. That's all you need. So, of course, the uh, in order to get the prostitute, the scientists had to do some dealings with a pimp called upgrade upgrade double d yeah for ultimate pimping uh but gets caught hauled up in legal stuff and the frozen candidates are left frozen suspended in time for 500 years 500 years in the meantime the civilization's decayed and rotted and very we see various uh, indications of this by um companies that start off with quite an innocent name End up with uh, <laughs> well, that's the thing. dumb name. There's so, brand names of everything. Like we can't say what's the, what's the name of the thing that becomes butt effers. Like there's a fudbuckers or something, and is it and it degrades over time to just be called that. Yeah, I think that's pretty much is it. Yeah. One of the first things Joe sees when he walks out into the real world is this this <laughs> fast food joint called butt effers, and then like with a loads of children inside. Children yeah. <laughs> There's a film that he goes to see called Ass 
which is just an, <laughs> a farting ass, and um, everyone loves it. Everyone loves it. It won. It win, goes on to win five Oscars. <laughs> uh, sports have become, I mean, ridiculous. Well, you've got wrestlers and porn stars reading the news. Fox News isn't that much different, though. <laughs> I did think that. So that's part of the trouble as well. It uses real brands to say how stupid the world is. And of course, in the real world, trying to sell this film, 20th Century Fox couldn't do it because it's full of actual critique of brands. Yeah, I was thinking, so Gatorade is very prominent. It's a very important plot mechanism in the film, Gatorade. It's, um, they are... Out later on, they are literally watering their crops with Gatorade. It has replaced water yeah, with everything. It's got electrolytes. Whenever he asks about water, the answer he gets is, what, you mean out of the toilet? <laughs> um, but I was thinking when I watched it, I was like, what, did they did they talk this through with Gatorade? That Gatorade is going to be used in the future to destroy the planet and create dust storms? I was like, how did that well, work? Wow, it's called Brondo. Yeah. It sort of oh, gets it around is, it. It is called Brondo, yeah. I, I, I forget, uh, but it's green... Yeah, which he says is this Gatorade. Yeah, he does actually say it. Yeah, yeah. So Joe, I mean, the most average man in the world in 2006, in 500 years' time, he becomes the smartest man in the world. Yeah. Although at first he struggles, he gets arrested by, he gets arrested with someone thinking he's a single mum. Yeah. Single mum. No. (laughs) And he gets repeatedly sprayed in the eyes. Then he get because he talks. In a certain way, everyone hates him. He said, uh, there's a line that everyone in the future speaks a sort of uh, combination of Valley Girl, Southern Drawl, and Hillbilly, something and something else. Yeah. yeah. So, of course, a faintly well spoken, averagely well spoken guy suddenly is labelled as an outsider. Mm. So he gets hounded. I call him a quite dated homophobic term. Um, Ali's yes. a very, a very mid 2000s yeah, uh, yeah. word. Um, and yeah, like. Uh, I mean, the thing... So he he first emerges um, as a result. The reason that they wake up from their pods is there are, there's a landslide from this uh, trash pile the size of a skyscraper. Yeah, so they forget, over time, everyone's forgotten how to recycle, how to get rid of rubbish. So there's just a pile, mm. um, which leads to a great avalanche of, of, uh, of rubbish. Imagine Wally. That's what we're looking at. It was at. Wally, yeah, yeah. Um, I've got to say as well, at that point, this is an interesting film because it's got really good old school effects. It mm. is rammed with uh, map paintings, yeah, model shots. There's some obviously a lot of special effects as well. It's the mid noughties but the the map paintings were amazing. There's a point when he goes. The first thing he does is he goes to hospital because he thinks he's got some sort of injury to his brain. That's why everything's weird. And he opens the the curtains, and it's just beautiful model shot this matte painting straight out of I don't so know it's like a Terry Gilliam painting it's exactly it? like a Terry Gilliam in fact you haven't seen Brazil have you I have seen Brazil oh yeah, you have yeah. it's very very Brazil mm. it's uh yeah it's beautiful it's beautiful and it mixes really well with the kind of um I mean some of the sets are a bit cramped but it I, it's, it, I think it's of its time it mixes really well with that kind of uh aesthetic I think he um so he smashes through the window of Dax Shepard's character, who I don't. I used to love Dax Shepard. Did you ever see without? Did you ever see without a paddle? Oh yeah, many uh, many years great ago. Great yeah. film. Um, but yeah, you don't see Dax Shepard in anything anymore. I don't know what happened to him, but he's so good in this. He plays basically the embodiment of what humanity has become. Yes, he introduces you to humanity. That's that's his role. Like as he as he 
as the he's uh, Lu, uh joe's pod smashes through frito's flat um where's officer collins shut up <laughs> are we on base i'll base your ass on my fist in your face ass shut up i'm sorry it's just where am i shut up i told you already Yeah, he's just watching um out this program called Ow My Balls, <laughs> where, <laughs> and he's got beer on a kind of uh sh- long straw from these big kegs yeah. in the side. And of he's the room. eating popcorn, and most importantly, the armchair he's in is the toilet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the. He just gets up and there's it's the toilet. Yeah, and later on, he's talking to uh, he's talking to Joe, and he just stops talking to him and sits down and pulls his chair. Look, he just gets on with it. <laughs> It's straight again, yeah. No, you're right. Now you said Terry Gilliam. That's all I can think of. Yeah, I think in Meaning of Life they even have a similar gag. Really? Yeah, in the animated bits. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. I it'd be interesting to see what he'd have done with a concept like that. Actually, well, um, my balls. I mean, that's not a million miles away from Jackass, <laughs> is it? And we all watch that. Uh, this is where it gets. I would enjoy like uh, well. I think I'm getting myself in trouble if I say I'm going to enjoy the masturbation hour or whatever it was called. I'm not <laughs> saying I'd enjoy that, but there's like a bit where the masturbation hour starts and it, the picture is just a guy with one massive muscle and one yes. tiny muscle. <laughs> and, and someone knocks on uh, Frido's door and he's like, the masturbation hour is about to start. So there's, there's no shame in it. It's very much like public information that what yesterday's EastEnders, um, well, EastEnders before is now the masturbation hour this is what people's tv schedules are it's brilliant well at one point joe bemoans the fact he he can't have a starbucks you know, I, really, I really go for a starbucks yeah, <laughs> yeah turns out starbucks is not a coffee shop anymore no. you can get a regular latte a full body latte or a super steamy latte yeah. and it's yeah the whole world is just it's just consumed with greed and over commercials uh is watching Ow My Balls on a TV screen surrounded by essentially early noughties pop-up yeah. ads. That's so um, and yeah, and so Joe is just kind of wandering lost. Uh, along, eventually he picks up Rita, who's the, the prostitute, um, who's sort of already making a buck. She's already kind of exploiting the system. And together they kind of, they make a plan to go to a time machine, to go back in time. Mm. But along the way... So we said Joe gets arrested. Yes. He gets sent to prison hmm. where he has the best breakout of all time. <laughs> Hi, excuse me. Um, I'm actually supposed to be getting out of prison today, sir. Yeah. You're in the wrong line, dumbass. Over there. I'm sorry. I'm in a big dumbass. Sorry. Hey, uh, let this dumbass through. I, I, what I like is... Um... The idea that we, humanity advanced to the point where technology and robots could look after us to a certain extent, and then we regress back to be lazy. So there's like kind of robotic, like the hospitals is all automated. Like yes. They can just press buttons. Yeah, the nurse just has a, a, a row of buttons with kind of what aches and pains people have. Yeah. And just presses the robot. Yeah, I mean... Things get dealt with somehow. They do, The people still manage to survive despite being this thick because yeah. everything's kind of taken care of just enough. Well, it's... it's. Uh, I mean, we mentioned Wally. It is Wally. Mm. 
exactly the same almost. Yeah. Wally's almost what happens in 20 years' time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, I got big uh, Demolition Man vibes. Yes. Except Demolition Man is, is a utopia where everything's lovely. Mm. But still, the, the technology is very similar. There's kind of automated voices telling people what to do. Yeah. Uh, even the cars are the same. Um, but yeah, no, eventually Joe, because he's the smartest man on Earth, he uh, gets picked up and sent to the White House, which is staffed by a handful of morons. Yeah, completely <laughs> morons. Um, One of them won a prize, a serial prize yeah, or something? Yeah. Is- uh, well, they sort of they they want him to solve the. They're not that thick. They want him to solve the problems. Problems being, there's no crops. There's junk everywhere. Dust storms. Dust storms everywhere. Um, and he sort of tries to work it out. And but the plan to still go to the time machine. But this is where the film dropped off for me. The first half of the film is full of satire. It's full of. Um, anti-corporation stuff and and silly ideas and and like the sketch at the very beginning this kind of really cool little hypothesis for the for the rest of the Mm. film but as soon as it gets to the white house it just kind of loses all momentum yeah i know what you mean because he he gets fixated on bringing the plants back yeah so there's a whole there's a really there's a great thing about um it's a great scene where he's trying to explain to people that water is what you feed plants with. For the last time, I'm pretty sure what's killing the crops is this Brondo stuff. The Brondo's got what plants crave. It's got electrolytes. So wait a minute. What you're saying is that you want us to put water on the crops? Yes. Water. Like out the toilet? Well, I mean, it doesn't have to be out of the toilet, but, but yeah, that's the idea. But Brondo's got what plants crave. It's got electrolytes. Okay, look, the plants aren't growing, so I'm pretty sure that the Brando's not working. Now, I'm no botanist, but I do know that if you put water on plants, they grow. Well, I've never seen no plants grow out of no toilet. Hey, that's good. You sure you ain't the smartest guy in the world? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, look, you want to solve this problem. I want to get my pardon, so why don't we just try it, okay? And not worry about what plants crave. Brando's got what plants crave. Yeah, it's got electrolytes. What are electrolytes? Do you even know? It's what they use to make Brondo. Yeah, but why do they use them to make Brondo? Because Brondo's got electrolytes. Which is fine, which is funny. But then nothing really happens. No, I kind of, I remember kind of getting sort of itchy feet a bit when uh, they go and visit the plants. And then he's trying to escape to the time machine again. And he run, they run off to the bushes and stuff. And there's, um, he. he brings the prostitute with her um, yeah she gets arrested for not putting out yeah and, and he but, gives her a pardon and gets her back into the and there's a kind of, yeah kind of like whoa, 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 where are we going where are we going yeah. and you kind of lose that that hit after hit of comedy and satire um becomes a bit more spaced apart yeah it just sort of loses its grounding and then there's the thing that because it because brondo is the biggest company in america by not watering the plants with it anymore mass unemployment and he gets arrested again uh this time for good and he ends up being rehabilitated which in this world means being crushed to death in a monster truck yeah with a massive electronic dildo on the end it has to be said just to cut in uh terry cruz playing the president oh yeah i was gonna say he terry cruz brings all the energy into these scenes amazing he comes in with his long flowing hair his cape. Yeah, his cape. And I love that like when they introduce like ex-porn star king 
and <laughs> MM, five-time MMA champions. And that is, in a nutshell, what this populace of people would have as their president. Oh, yeah. This hard-nut sex maniac. Like, um, and he's always surrounded really by beautiful cool always, women. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. I got a three-point plan to fix everything. Bring it down. Number one, we got this guy not sure. Number two, he's got a higher IQ than any man alive. And number three, he's going to fix everything. I give you my word as president. He'll fix the problems with all the dead crap. He's going to make them grow again. And that ain't all. I give you my word. He's going to fix the dust on President Camacho stood before the world and promised everyone that Joe would solve all their problems. He would not only end the Dust Bowl and heal the economy, but he would cure acne and car sickness as well. And if he didn't, President Camacho made another promise. He would kick Joe's smart balls all the way up to the roof of his smart mouth, and then he would throw his brainy ass back in jail. Hello, First, uh, hires Joe as Ministry of the Interior, and they're just on a massive trike going down the street. Yeah. Like rock music playing, as you can beer and throw it. <laughs> and everyone smokes really massive cigarettes as well. I like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry, go on. Um, so yeah, they kind of end up in this in this stadium fight, which becomes the, the final piece where uh, Rita's trying to prove to them that the plants are growing back to save Joe's life, who's going to get squished. And I don't really care at that point. No. Mm. Well, I. I mean, I. I, I think I'm I, not to say that I don't didn't enjoy the film. I, as overall, I think it's great. It's a real uh, solid cult classic. But by the last third, I didn't really care anymore. I know what you mean. I think I had more. I think I had a bit more patience for it, and I think I uh, enjoyed that any bit more. But I do know what you mean. It didn't have the same um, same punch as the first half. It's uh yeah, it just kind of I don't know, it it's almost like it didn't know what to do mm. with itself and I sort of wonder that. Was it uh was it a um crab people scenario? Yeah. Uh, what do we do now? <laughs> uh Monster Truck Monster Truck fight. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, on balance, I think it, this is a film that now it's on bloody Disney Plus. Go watch it. Yeah, definitely. It's great. Watch Office Space as well, which I think's a far superior film. But here's a question. Um, yeah. How? So, if you made Idiocracy to that, so considering the social media boom that's happened to, since two thousand and five, um, how would you make Idiocracy today? How would that plight into like stupidity happen, and how would these people be in the in the in the future? So, at the moment, we're glued to our phones. I think. Would you reckon it would be that kind of direction? We become more and more I mean, yeah, that's, plugged in. That's worth saying actually, because it in the film, as stupid as the characters are portrayed, or the or the normal normies kind of thing, they're all still active and they're still socialising with each other, aren't they? Yeah. So it's actually quite nice to see in this lockdown world. Yeah, there's there's still uh they still know how to talk. Although normally it'll end up in a fight or be Well, yeah, or, true, true. But um, I, I suppose I mean, Wally's done it. 
Mm. They're just thinking the idea of two uh, crippled, morbidly obese people in uh, mobility scooters talking to each other on FaceTime, mm. sat next to each other. Yeah. That's the stuff you'd see. Yeah, that's yeah, all yeah. in Wally, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what else would you do? Or, or you go the other way and everyone's just arguing and fighting and rebranding themselves and yeah. cancel culture. Canceling everyone. Yeah. There'd be like cancel town where you get sent if you're officially cancelled. Or be like Black Mirror where you cancel people and yeah, they become like, a blur, yeah. kind of like a ghost. Yeah. Hall of Fame? Eh. Only just no, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, like like you say, I think it's a great movie, great cult movie, great concept, but, um, you know, it's not a... I think things have done the same idea better. Mm. Uh, and I do think Mike Judge... The I think the film probably should be more well known. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely true. Twentieth Century Fox buried the lead. They sort of just went nah. I would actually like to give a good shout out to Luke Wilson. Like I think his perplexed face in it is um, <laughs> yeah true is great. Like uh, he did really well in it. Um, yeah, actually I like Justin Long as well as the uh, Stoner Doctor. Yeah, he's brilliant. See, that's when the energy was still really up. Just yeah. meeting all these weird, weird people. Weird idiots, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, Idioxy, pretty good. Watch Worth it. a watch. Watch it. You will laugh a lot, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, give, give it a go. But just don't, if you've got something else to do, just do it at the same time. Do, the same time. <laughs> do some ironing or something. I don't know. Yeah, cool. Oh, ah. Uh, what are we doing for next week's show? Do it, we need- it's not Easter yet. And next, It's the one before Easter. So, so should we do a book select? This book. Okay. Uh, what is it? It's The Making of Red Dwarf by Joe Nazaro with photographs by Nobby Clark. On the front cover, it has uh, it has the gang. It has Listerima, the cat, and Crichton in... It's not the Better Than Life one, is it? What is it? What, what episode is that? Come on. It's the one that won the BAFTA. Um, well, I think it was BAFTA. I can't remember. Gunman... Of the Apocalypse. There we go. Gunman of the Apocalypse. Cool. All right, uh, so we're gonna, we're, I'm gonna go through like that, and I'm gonna tell him to stop. Cool. And then Rob's gonna run his finger over the page, and I'm gonna tell him to stop. Robin. 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 Interesting. Take from that what you will. Wow. The sentence is: the Red Dwarf sets have been built on stage studio at Shepperton Studios, home of countless films and television projects, including The Third Man. Oliver, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, which you can't choose because I've said it now, and Mel Gibson's oh. Hamlet for the past three seasons. I can't choose. Why can't I choose Robin Hood, Prince it now. of Thieves? We've said it now. You can't tell me it's not worth fighting for. Adam's Film Reviews. Witchfinder General, 1968. With the tranquility of rural England shattered by civil war, Evil was spawned at a time of strife in the land. Take him, Stern. Look for the devil's marks upon him. Right. Help it, you two. Hounding the innocent in violence and terror, this evil man showed no mercy in the pursuit and interrogation of his victims. He was called the Witch Finder General. And amidst the horror of the witch hunt, a story of tender young love. Didn't your uncle just say you must early to bed? He did. And isn't he a wise man? But even their innocence is cruelly corrupted by the vile touch of the Witchfinder General. My motive in coming here was to find the truth. 
Vincent Price is the Witchfinder General. Lust and greed were his only gods. The money from the magistrate. Nine guineas in silver. Good. Now we can leave. Oh, yes. Bringing out the big dogs now, aren't we? Yes, in live anything else to watch, my second review this week is for the absolutely bona fide classic of folk horror, The Witchfinder General. Directed by Michael Reeves and co-written with Tom Baker, no, not that one. Witchfinder General was adapted from the book of the same name by Ronald Bassett a heavily fictionalised version of the historical Matthew Hopkins. Witchfinder General doesn't hold back in casting Matthew Hopkins as a moustache twirling villain akin to Dick Dastardly or Megatron and played by the peerless Vincent Price alongside his stalwart sidekick and ale-swilling thug John Stern played by Robert Russell. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. The year is 1645 and the English Civil War still rampages across England leading to a period of lawlessness and breakdown of social order. Roundhead forces have mostly taken the east of England, among them Richard Marshall, played by Ian Ogilvy, a cavalry officer in the Parliamentary Army. After saving the life of his captain, Marshall is granted leave and is allowed to return to Brandleston, Suffolk, to meet his lover Sarah, played by Hilary Dwyer. Here he is greeted by open arms by Sarah and her uncle, the affable local priest John Lowes, played by Rupert Davies. To Marshall's surprise, John insists Marshall marry Sarah and to take her away as far as possible. Trouble, he says, is coming to Brandleston. Marshall laughs it off, but is happy to oblige when he can, his army life dictating his movements for the time being. I should point out that Sarah is also thrilled by the engagement. It may be the 17th century, but these people aren't savages. Well, not yet anyway. As John predicted, trouble is indeed on its way. Trouble in the form of Matthew Hopkins and John Stern, who we're introduced to as they bicker on the road on the way to Brandleston. I'm not kidding when I say these two remind me of Saturday morning villains. See, they've been sought out by the locals of Brandleston to deal with their satanic, or more likely Catholic, priest. Promised silver for every hanged witch, Hopkins and Stern hit the ground running on their arrival to the village, immediately seeking out John Lowe's and setting to work torturing him and demanding his confession. Soon, both Hopkins and Stern have their way with Sarah too, and leave a trail of bodies in their wake. When news of the attack reaches Marshall, he returns to the village and marries Sarah, swearing an oath that he will avenge John Lowe with the blood of Hopkins and Stern. As the story progresses, the best way I can summarise is to say that it essentially turns into a western, with Marshall and his men pursuing Hopkins and Stern through the English countryside, complete with galloping horses and bar brawls. Ahead of the game, Hopkins continues his reign of terror in the English countryside, setting to work on witches and idol worshippers with a sadistic glee, with one scene making me go, whoa, as he tries out a new technique of disposing of Satan's servants by fire. History is thrown out the window in Witchfinder General, but man, it does it well. It may come across as silly at times, but the characters in this film are so easily told and understood. A gallant hero pursuing the evil and cunning pantomime villains amidst a genuinely quite harrowing series of events. Torture and death is something most people would associate with the torture porn of the early noughties, but there is something deeply chilling about what is left unseen and unsaid 
in which find the general. Murmurs of torture, of poking and cutting, plus the uncut sequences of people being dunked and indeed hanged. Well, it's more than a little surprising. Director Michael Reeves was only 24 at the time of shooting this film and tragically died soon after the film's release of an accidental overdose. With the film released to mixed and some quite scathing reviews, it's a shame that he was never able to hear the praise and love which Final General received after it reached cult status. This is a seminal piece of work and inspired generations of filmmakers. Discount a handful of awkward day-for-night shots and it's hard to find fault with this film. It tells its story at a quick pace, never easing up on its central characters until the final twisted ending. There's not much else to be said that hasn't already. I genuinely adored this film and would love to find more like it. Sadly, the reason it survived so long is likely for exactly that reason. It's unique. And the closest you'll find to match here would be the equally peerless Blood on Satan's Claw, but that's a very different film. If you don't know it, chuck it down. The Witchfinder General is worth your time. Man's inhumanity to man portrayed on the screen so vividly that you flinch, so real that you too will fear the Witchfinder General. To see it, be the first to talk about it. The Witchfinder General. And that's the show. The show is the show. The show is done. The show is done. We have finished. Yes, a bit of a low energy show this week, we're afraid. But you know, we have to be low energy sometimes. We have to be low I'm energy. I'm making up for it now. <laughs> big things coming. Big huh? things big things coming. So the just... end of this yeah we've said it before we've said it again big things coming from holodale media this year stay tuned um please love us <laughs> yes oh uh i can't remember which show we mentioned it on but local listeners uh do check out inside hitchin magazine from amber publications we are in it this week yes we are in it once again um we're talking about our various projects we've been doing through lockdown uh, including our Patreon exclusive things. If you like what you hear, do consider checking us out on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Media. You'll be the first to know when we've got stuff moving and you'll get lots of exclusive bits and pieces as well. Yeah, please do. Uh, all of our, like, all the money goes straight into our projects and we'll make them more awesome and more brilliant and we'll keep firing them out. And um, yeah, there is some very big stuff to come this year. So yeah. And yes, do check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Holodale Media or for both of them. Yes, do I that. I've lost where I was then. Check us out. Rob. Yeah. What's your favourite egg? My favourite egg would definitely be the mini egg. Um, I love mini eggs. I would like to pour them all into my mouth and chew them. And um, They're okay. I'll pour milk in as well and make my, my mouth a cereal bowl. Your favourite egg is the cream egg. The cream egg. Because you are a dirty bastard. Imagine a cream egg with a mini egg shell. I could deal with that. I that'd could, be really yeah, good. That'd be very, very good. Did you hear about the cream egg beer? No. Goose Island shop, they make fancy beers. They did a cream egg beer. Filth. Sold out in minutes. Yeah. I'm not even sure it was over in the UK. Oh, I hope rubbish. someone bought them all and poured them all down the drain. So what know. I'm going to do, I'm going to get some stout... Yeah. Some light stout. 
and I'm going to smash some cream eggs in. I'm going to drink it. Okay, that's happening. All right. <laughs> yeah. That's done. That's locked in. This Ladies is excited. We've got another couple of weeks before Easter, but that is going to happen. East, uh, listeners of old will know that Holodale Media, we do Easter big. We It is an event for us. It is a calendar big event. And, uh, well, it looks like this year's Easter is going to be the biggest of all because Adam's going to drink a cream egg beer. <laughs> I'm going to make my own. Mm, nom, nom, nom. Fantastic. Is it too late to make... Oh, I'll make your own beer from I Wilkinson's. I think it might be too late now. Um, Does it take too long? Maybe. Oh, I don't right. know. Maybe not. I don't know. I, I, Does I don't it know. take less than a month? I don't Proper- think so. Nah, I, don't I could be wrong. I don't know. Grumble, grumble. Okay, well, yes, thank you so much for listening. Do come back in a couple of weeks where we'll be talking about something to do with Robin. Oh! And it's not been to Thieves. Damn. Goodbye! Bye. That's definitely the film I'd have chosen! <laughs>